Hello, listeners. I'm so pleased you could join me for a conversation today with one of the most inspiring women I've been watching for a long while in Australia. I'm Lizzie Metham, and this is People My Dog Would Like, where I get to speak with interesting people about their game-changing ideas, fresh initiatives, and out-of-the-box movements with an eye on the future. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Michelle Redfern. Michelle has combined 20 years of leadership in sports and business to create a unique organisation called Advancing Women, which I believe is slowly moving gender diversity from conversation to action in Australia. It's building momentum, and I'm hoping we'll talk a little bit more about it today. Michelle is also the board lead for the development of the female game in the western suburbs of Melbourne and beyond. She gets sports, leadership and the benefits of diversity and inclusion. She's also a founder of Women Who Get It, a thriving digital and events ecosystem for professional women. It's a powerful space for professional women and one that is growing exponentially in Victoria. On top of this, Michelle is a non-executive director of the Williamstown VFL Football Club, one of the oldest and most successful clubs in VFL history, and for Good Shepherd Microfinance, a world leader in financial inclusion. She's changing the game of business and sport for women in Australia and is worth watching very closely. She's a mentor for many women in the professional space in Melbourne too. Michelle makes things happen. She's a serious action figure. I think it's worth considering a Michelle dog for Mattel. Michelle, I'm so pleased to have you here today. Welcome to the show. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, thank you, Lizzie, for having me. And uh, oh, I'm, I'm all for that Michelle dog in Mattel. Fantastic. I think we should send them an email, Michelle. Yeah, I think we should. And I'm, I'm thinking that my son and my nephews are going to start calling me M-Dog now. So... <laughs> So listen, I loved catching up with you recently and hearing more about what makes you tick, but I'm keen for the listeners to know more about you. And what I was interested in, amongst other things, of course, was that like many, you've made Melbourne home. Where were you from? I'm a WA girl. Uh, I was. I grew up in Geraldton, which is about 400 kilometres north of Perth, and uh, first 20 years of my life there. Uh, small, well, not a small country town, but certainly a medium size, about 18 to 20 thousand people mm. in that town uh, when I was growing up. And then I moved to Perth when I was 20. So, and then over here to Melbourne, about 15 years later. So I'm a yeah, I'm I'm west of the black stump. That's where that's that's home. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, I'm always interested in in people living in the city who are from regional towns in mm. Australia, and and I'm wondering what it was like growing up in Geraldton then for you. I growing up for me was characterised by lots of sport, lots of beach. Um, you know, very very orderly, ordinary uh, kind of upbringing, and very traditional. Yeah. Dad worked for the PMG and then telecom. Mum was a stay-at-home mum, although she did a hell of a lot of um, other things. I've got two sisters. However, I will say that um, from when I was old enough, and I think my first real memory of I've got to get out of this place was probably about 11. Um, Because I I think um, (coughs) I always, always had my eyes on... What was next? What I'm a futurist, and I, I, I not that I would have put those words around it mm. then, but I was always a dreamer and a, a daydreamer, and thinking, oh, what else and what's next? And and I I knew that I would move to the big smoke, as mm. we called it, um, at some point. Um, so the town was. I mean, I'm interested already. What happened at eleven? Why do you say eleven? Um, I was at 
primary school and I, you know, sort of, I played a lot of sport, but I could see older kids, um, you know, you could, kind of didn't have a lot of choices. You sort of, you finished high school, you mm. got a job, you got married. Um, and 11, I think, you know, I really particularly, um, I love always loved footy um, and I loved Countdown. <laughs> oh, didn't we all love yeah. Countdown and Molly? Yeah. Oh. And, you know, Sunday nights for me on the TV so was, um, Sunday nights was Countdown, then the winners. And I thought, yeah, I would so love to be one of those girls dancing in the background at Countdown, yeah. which was in Melbourne. Um, and I'd so love to go to a VFL game, uh, as it was in those days, in Melbourne. I could and see I thought, you rocking on behind the oh, look, Countdown. Oh, I'll tell you what, there's nothing you can't do with a hairbrush as a microphone. <laughs> So I, I don't know that I had any one particular event, but it, it grew over time. And uh, particularly once I, I started at high school, my we, we were um, our family was on our own um, in Geraldton, so we did go to Perth a lot because my nana and my aunties, the extended family, uh, were all in Perth, and I loved it. I loved being down there in the big city. Yeah. I yeah. did. I loved it. And um, we would quite often go and stay with Nana and it would always say, Nana, let's go into town. You know, we'd get the bus into town. Mm. And I just loved the city. And I don't know then if I could have described why I loved it. But looking back now, I would say that I love the hustle and the bustle. I do love the anonymity of a big city as well. Yeah, you right. can kind of wander around and observe and do. But I think you can write your own ticket as well. Um what I now know, um, and, and this is why I'm particularly focused on having really good reach uh, for women, is that when you're a, well, anyone, but particularly for girls and women growing up in regional areas, um, they don't necessarily have access to the same resources and experiences that an urban or a city woman may have. Let alone opportunities. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So in growing up where I grew up, if I'd stayed, um, I would have had a job because there was no university uh, in the town. Mm. So you had to go away to go to university or go to teacher's college as it was in those days. Yes. Um, so you had to leave to to become something else or to get further qualifications or you, you worked, um, started a business, got married, you know, one or the other. So yeah. the choices were limited. Yeah, um, and you thought, I need choice. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so listen, I'm always excited um, – about all of the work that you're doing in the AFL as mm. well. I mm. find that fascinating. And, you know, we've had a roaring year this mm -hmm. year in the AFL with the inclusion and marketing of the Women's League. Yep. I loved the first game at Witten Oval. Loved how it was completely sold out. How have you found this year yourself and what has it meant for you and women in sport? I have found this year to be extraordinary because whilst there has been women's football played for a long, long time um, at grassroots and, and more senior level, and the VWFL um, was a very, very good competition, um, and we're fortunate we had people like Darren Flanagan and, and Jess Smith who were just so dedicated to, to the cause of, of women and football. So women like Susan Alberti, like Deb Lee, you know, there's been a whole lot of pioneers in football. But mm. the AFL stepping in and creating a national competition legitimised something that was not seen as mainstream, sort of a bit of an add-on um, and something that girls or women might do. Mm. And... 
my own experiences, I had I had a couple of quite significant experiences. The first one was, uh, well, the first game, which was just extraordinary, and to to hear, you know, no, it was a lockout, um, and to to hear the stories about those women when they ran onto that ground to twenty five thousand people mm. and more on the outside, you know, that mm. that was amazing. But my overwhelming feeling was, we've arrived and we belong. Yes, this is no longer a um, and also, yeah, yeah, exactly, e- exactly. It's no longer a fringe uh, Movement, exercise. Absolutely, this bizarre thing that women yep. do. Yep. What do they think they're doing? Unbelievable. Mm. Um, and then the so that that was sort of the first thing that was an awareness. And then the second one, I was here in in at home on a Saturday, pottering around with with my lovely Rhonda, my partner, and I said, I'm just going to pop out to the footy because mm. there was a game on at Icon Park. And she said, do you want me to come? I went, do you want to come? And she said, no. Nah. <laughs> I said, all right, off I go. Yeah. So I toddled off onto the tram, headed on out to the footy, went in, bought myself a beer, yeah. sat down and started watching. What was significant about that is I have never, ever been to any other football game, a men's game, on my own. I would never dream of going to a football game on my own. Wow. I, I didn't even think twice about it until I was sitting there and went, I'm here on my own. I feel safe, I feel welcome, I belong, I'm included, this is my game. Yeah. I am not someone who's sort of pressing my nose against the glass wall trying to, you know, look in at the thing yes. I really wanted to do. Yes. And I sat there having this little bit of this, you know, this moment to myself thinking, mm. holy moly, this is great. Um, might have had a little tear <laughs> or oh. two, but, you know, happy. And then I got talking to some old bloke next to me. Oh, how are you going, love? And I went, oh, very, very good. And we were talking about the footy, the women's and the men's. And Fantastic. it was just awesome. And then... The, the second incident or, or thing was I was, again, on a tram going to the footy and mm. two young women uh, jumped on with me and they both had um, footy Carlton um, footy jumpers on. And I started talking and said, oh, do you play footy? And they went, yep, we you know we play for Diamond Creek. And I went, oh, okay, how long have you been playing? They went, oh, we've only just started. And oh, I said, oh, so, so good. What happened? They said, well, you know what? We knew Darcy Vessio at school. Um, she was older than us, but we saw her play and we thought, oh, blow it. We're going to play. So they watched the first game, went straight down to their local footy club signed and up. signed up. And Good you know what? Then. There's been, there is now, I was at the. Which club? Uh, they, at Diamond, uh, out at Diamond Creek. Okay. Um, and Darcy plays for, for Darabin. But um, the. There's been 370 new female teams in Victoria alone started this year. Oh, doesn't that say everything? Absolutely. The stats don't lie there. No, they don't. So so these little... Um, I wouldn't even call them incremental. I mean, let's yeah. say it's transformational this yeah, year. Yeah, it, it's amazing. But those, for me, those, those two or three experiences really characterised and epitomised that I, I, I belong... Other women belong, girls belong, and we're not we're not an also ran anymore. And it's so significant. Um, it's beyond sport. It's about gender equality, and it is beyond sport. Yeah, it's... well, that goes on to my next question: mm. Why do you feel gender equity is such a big deal in sport in Australia? And if I take that a step further, why is it important in the AFL? So I know that politicians can 
legislate and pontificate about an, a, a lot of things. and Which they do. They do a lot. We can... Although, do they pass any legislation at the moment? I don't know. Nope. I'm a bit baffled with that. Yes, me Sorry. too. Sorry, me off too. Track, off track, Michelle. Um, I, I look at um, Australians traditionally are, mm. are viewed as very egalitarian, you know, larrikins, uh, fundamental disrespect for authority, and you know, and I'm one of them, absolutely, as any boss of mine will ever tell you. Um, <laughs> so, but, but we love we love sport. Arguably, we love sport, and we yes. respect our sporting heroes. It's a huge part of our culture. Absolutely. Mm. So, if a big institution like a St Kilda football club or a Carlton football club or a West Coast Eagles, Martin, um, or others make a stand about a really important social policy, mm. there's a whole bunch of their followers and supporters and members who are going to go, okay, if they say it's okay, it's Absolutely. okay. Absolutely. There's an acceptance, isn't there? Absolutely. So um, I think there's more uh, – so that that's from a, a broader perspective. So getting more – visible female role models on the field and off the field, mm. in the commentary box, in the coach's box, in the training rooms, in the administration, etc., starts to say it is normal for women to be here and be included mm. and be part of this to, to shape the game. So that, that's one part of it. But the flip side is that young well, girls and young women are now seeing these role models because mm. they couldn't see them before. There was no. no national stage. Well, you certainly didn't see it on TV, no. did you? So, you, Well, you couldn't see, you know, Katie Brennan's just taken out the, the best and fairest for, for Victoria. Mm. So you couldn't see a Katie Brennan, a Darcy Vessio, um, a Lauren Arnell. Um, you know, th- those women were not visible um, and they're now becoming role models. And the, the meaning of a role model is I'm a young girl. I can see that woman. I want to be like her. So I don't have to think, oh, like I did growing up, you know, my heroes were, frankly, Ron Barassi. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, he's still one of my absolute football heroes. Kevin Sheedy, mm. John Worsfold. Mm. But nice they're men. Guys. They're, nice they're guys. great. They they're are men. men. They are men. And I, and I could never aspire. And, you know, I'd love a dollar for every time I said, oh, I wish I could play footy. Um, well, now these young girls and women can do that because they can see other role models so it's so important yeah it's that experiential thing isn't it like Mm. you have to experience it you have to experience watching women Mm. doing things in order for you to feel that you can aspire to be there doing it too absolutely so if you only see men in that space you Mm -hmm. think well that's great love that game but i wouldn't be doing it because women don't play yep and how that translates for me is, well, if, if sport can do it, so can business and so can politics. Yeah, so the traction absolutely is like, I think it's a domino effect mm. from, you know, from what I've been looking at, I think, gee, the traction in the professional sphere seems mm. to be really, really gaining momentum now. Well, it's elevated the, the conversation and it's, it's, well, it's amplified the conversation around gender diversity, depending on what day of the week it is, of course. But, um, <laughs> but there, are, there are going to be, in a perfect world, every corporation in Australia would be looking at the, the inclusion of women in a staunchly male environment saying, wow, if they can do it, we can too. In fact, we should. In fact, we must. Do you think that's happening? Not fast enough. Mm. Yeah. Well, the statistics tell us it's not happening. Yeah, well, yeah. that's why I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, so statistics, there's a bit of a lag usually, and I'm wondering in real time whether you feel through the experience you have with the businesses that you interface with, and there mm. are a lot of them, mm. Mm. what do you feel the, you know, the, 
not momentum, but what do you feel the culture is like now, say six months after the the game? Not, th- not a lot different. Really? No. Um, and, you know, the, the, these are sweeping general statements. There are clearly, clearly organisations that need to be celebrated and there are clearly organisations that need to be uh, called out for, for their failure to, to address their... Horrible. Lack of diversity. Absolutely. And gender equity. Yeah. yeah. So last week there was... Um, uh, so there, there are two pieces of data. The, the AICD published the, AS, the, the numbers for the ASX 200 uh, chairs and boards uh, a couple of months ago in their quarterly gender report, uh, ch- yeah, quarterly gender report, of which I was very pleased to contribute an article to. And unfortunately, it showed that we're seeing a decline in the number of women on ASX 200 boards. Now, it is a marginal decline. How can decline. that happen? Well, the theory... Wow, that's, that's really shocked me. Yeah, so the theory, so the, the, the AICD have a 30% club, which is a, a, a group of uh, chairmen and our chairwomen or chairs who have yes. said we, our commitment is to drive to 30%, uh, 30% female representation on ASX 200 boards. And it was 30% by 2018. In 2017, and it was at the time they formed that group, uh, I'm quoting the numbers off the top of my head, it was sitting at around 11 or 12%. So a long way to go. Exactly. So they were Um, looking at realistic targets. Absolutely. Absolutely. Made significant progress and last year got to 20, I think it's either 28.4 or 28.2%. Fabulous progress. Mm. Slipped down this year to 26%. That kind of flies in the face of everything we've just been talking about. It does. And I was at a, a function a couple of months ago and some of the, the discussion around that at a 30% function, some of the discussion around that was that you need to be purposeful and deliberate uh, and continuous and tenacious about uh, affirmative action or recruiting to fill your, your quota or your target, whichever term you prefer. Yeah. And the reality was that there was a perception that the 28 point something had been reached and the foot came off the pedal. Right. The rate of, of appointment to boards needed to be around 40 to 44% of female appointments to boards needed to be around 40 to 44% continuously to achieve that, that goal. Mm. Perhaps the goal was in sight. We went, oh, well, everyone's sort of relaxed and we, mm. we're nearly there. It'll be up to everyone else. Someone wow. else will get it. You know, these are my opinions. Mm. Um, They're clearly shared with others around absolutely. the table at the function. Absolutely. So we've seen that go backwards because potentially the purposeful, deliberate and tenacious action that's needed to be taken to fill um, that your your diversity target um well, it was, it was no longer purposeful, deliberate and tenacious. Yes. And I see I see a lot of agonising about the problem and a lot of talk, which is why I have a bit of a, a byline of make, taking gender diversity from conversation to action. Yeah. We have a lot of conversation, we have a lot of research, a lot of statistics and a lot of agonising over the problem. The companies that are going to win in marketplaces, the organisations, sporting and otherwise, that are going to be the best are the ones who are going to get serious about taking action. And some action is better than none. Mm. And, you know, sometimes... You, and what does the action look like? Oh, the action needs to be, do I know my numbers for a start? Mm. I'm staggered, staggered at the amount of conversations I have with, with people in organisations, women and men, 
who do not know, and senior women and men who should know, if put it this way, they'll what know their, their stats are. well, they'll know their sales numbers, they'll know their cost numbers, mm. so they'll know the balance sheet and the P and L inside out and upside down. But when you ask how many women at are every level, board. oh, how many women are on the board? How, how many, many women are in C-suite? the executive? How many women? You know, what are your percentages at every level in your organisation? Mm. They, don't they don't know. know. Or, and they don't really understand, or if they do know, they don't really understand why and they haven't investigated it. So I'm, you know, what's what's some of the best advice people get to run a business? Know your numbers. So I would say the very first step is know your numbers and then know where you need to start focusing. Um, The blanket approach to... Let's have a mentoring program, which is one of my favourite hobby horses. Let's let's have a mentoring program for women. Mm. All right. So that's great. But why are you having that? Because that's one of the standard um, tools on the on the shelf that you have when you have a gender diversity program. No, you need to understand what what do your women need in your organisation to help them advance. First thing, they don't need fixing. Your system needs fixing, but what tools do they need to help them navigate the system in the meantime? Perhaps a mentoring program is it, but unless you've done a a proper diagnosis and you really understand the humans that are involved here and what their needs are, I would suggest that that's potentially a blanket solution or a sheep sheep dipping, as I call it, country girl. Mm, mm. Now, let's sheep dip everyone through the same thing. and Yeah, cookie-cutter yeah, approach. Yeah, and, and the same with unconscious bias training. Mm. Let's send everyone to unconscious bias training, particularly the men. What a great way to make people resentful. Mm, mm. Yes. Off and you- to get nothing done. Well, to get, you know, le- less traction and, and mm. not great outcomes. Mm. But, you know, on that, what I'm interested in is, you talking before about soft skills and your mm. view on soft mm. skills. Come mm. on, hit us with it. Yeah. So, what do you think? Another one of my. Pet- Should we work on our soft skills, Michelle? Well, you know, maybe so- I need soft, to. soft skills are, are BS. I, there, there needs to be another name for it. And they're, they're business skills and they're life skills and they're human skills. Um, I know that some of the best people that I've worked with have been superb relationship managers. They've had great empathy. They've had. Um, enormous compassion Uh, they've also been very skilled savvy business people but Mm. the reason they get ahead is because their eq their emotional intelligence their soft skills are really bloody good Uh, and if i think about the future of work we've got the rise of the machines happening you know um, artificial intelligence robotics etc 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 absolutely What's going to differentiate differentiate a person in a in a corporation of any size from a machine in the future? Guess what? Soft skills. Absolutely. The ability. Being human. Yeah, absolutely. Um, empathy, compassion, care, concern, uh, the ability to to you know, which is empathy to degree, but uh, the ability to read a room, um, mm. and 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 tweak your message based on how you think your audience needs to hear it. All those things. Are, are extraordinarily powerful skills and absolutely powerful, mm. and but they're somewhat devalued and they're also associated as feminine leadership traits, mm. um, which you know there'll be all sorts of theorists out there about you know feminine theory, um, and I don't I don't doubt. And I'm not in a position to debunk uh, any of the research about what's a masculine leadership trait versus what's a female leadership trait. All I'm saying is that there are human traits that are going to set us apart from the machines moving forward Mm. and anyone who's really good at them uh, 
will will prosper. So if you were to buy into the feminine leadership style and traits and characteristics, gee whiz, I think women are in a great position. They are. Mm. You know, at saying that as well, though, I've worked with women in the past and I wouldn't say they've got great soft skills and should not mm. be leaders. Mm. So it really depends on... It's a person-by-person person case as well. Yeah. Oh, look, I agree. that There's so much of the conversation around gender is binary. Yeah. And so much of the conversation around leadership is binary. You know, we, we are all on a spectrum. My, my dad, God bless him, uh, would always say that, you know, it's the great bell curve of life, Michelle. And he was... He would say there are the brilliant people at one end, there are the absolute maniacs at the other, and the rest of us fall somewhere in between. Mm. And it's the same for any of these kind of characteristics or traits. We could say all women are really good at relationships and all all men are really good at business. But the reality is that some women are great at business, some women are great at relationships, some women are great at both, some men are, and so on and so forth. Mm. It's it's far too binary. Yeah, it's a melting pot. Yeah. Yeah, so gender's a really interesting thing when it comes to leadership and skills and attributes and characteristics. Um, and I think we, I would like, I, I try not to buy into too much binary talk around what's a feminine leadership trait yeah. versus what's a male. I think there's I see them as, I see them as legacy mindsets too, I think so. and I don't, I don't play into them either. Yep. But yep. you know, so you talk about having the time of your life in your fifties. It's a common thread I hear again and again for women who are around that age, actually. Mm. Although many women also feel they've moved into the, over the, to the dark side once mm. they've hit 50, which I think is a bit sad. Mm. Um, but I do love that you're so vibrant and that you're so pumped to be celebrating, you know, your age and all that it brings. What is it about being in your 50s that, you know, that you're so, I guess, pumped about? Well, I... A little story first, because I do love a little story. When I turned 40, I was miserable mm. because I – 40 was tough for me because I, I I had previously held the opinion that I wanted to stay 38 forever because that was a magical age and, and what have you, but I, I've now debunked that. So I, I felt that 40 was too old to be young, too young to be old, mm. and it, I, I really had a tough time the year I turned 40. Moving forward – I was about probably mid to late 40s and I was terrified about being over 50 because I had a perception that women over 50 were invisible. Um, they okay. were, were no longer considered relevant. It's almost um, the dark side that I talk about that yeah. women do talk about. And, you know, you start to look at, uh, you look at the world through that lens and you think, okay, where are the where are the women news readers who are over 50? Where are the journalists over 50? Where are the actresses, actresses over 50? Actresses, I was going to say. I mean, let's look and, you know, this Hollywood is the movement. old, you can't be what you can't see. And I thought, bloody hell. And then all of a sudden, uh, so I had one conversation with a, with a friend of mine and I said, God, I, you know, I really, we're about the same age. I said, I, I just, oh, dreading being over 50, invisible, whatever. And he said, God, Redfern. He said, you're nearly six foot tall. You've got platinum blonde hair and you're as loud as all get out. He said, you're never going to be bloody invisible. <laughs> That's so true. And, you know, and I laughed at the time, but it was a really good, you know. Kick up a, the behind. Kick up the bum to say, yeah. shift your bloody mindset, Michelle. Um, and why should you Why should you buy into this narrative that's bulldust? Yes. Then the second thing that happened was this woman called Jane Caro burst onto my oh, into my world. Isn't she just gorgeous? I just adore Jane. I'm, mm. I'm you know she may feel like I'm a bit of a stalker, but because uh, I'm forever tweeting her and you know all this kind of stuff, turn up to stuff that she's talking at. Oh dear! But she really started to apologising already. Mm. 
So, and Jane has this whole thing around, you know, the best years of your life. And I went, why can't it be the best years of my life? Mm. So things that, that I'm I'm financially stable. Absolutely. I, my kids are off my hands. They're they're adults and in fact they're living on the other side of the of the country. I have absolute freedom and choice, and choice has always been a great driver of mine. I have the ability I have influence. And, you know, I've got a great network and I've been working for 30 plus years. And I went, why wouldn't I be? This is awesome. Mm. And I said at my 50th birthday, see you all in 50 years. Oh, good on you. When we celebrate my 100th. And and then someone said something about middle age. I said, oh, no, I'm only a third of the way through. I'm going to live to 150 and annoy Mm. you buggers for that long. (laughs) So... I don't know. I'm in a really good – I'm in a great mindset. Yeah. Uh, I have a great mindset. I, I am a naturally energetic, positive person. Mm. Uh, I think this is the time of my life that I can really enjoy, in, um, use what has been given to me for, for the greater good. Um, and you know what? Life's too short for shit. <laughs> yeah. But so interestingly, you know what you're saying well, – what I'm hearing when you're saying, listen, I'd – you know, I'm financially independent. Mm. My kids live on the other side. You know, my kids are older now, mm. so I'm not looking. I mean, that's a big deal, isn't it? Absolutely. Women juggling, parenting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I think holds a lot of women back. Parenting, trying to work, trying to, get you know, get up that corporate ladder if they're mm-hmm. in a corporate environment or trying to set up a business. It's mm. very hard to do both, isn't it? So Ooh. no wonder you're celebrating in your 50s and you don't have to do that. You've got different choices. That's exactly right. And, you know, I think I had a conversation with someone yesterday, um, a, a younger woman, and she's. we were talking about exactly that, about having it all. And, and I, I quite often get asked, how do I have it all, Michelle? And I said, well, the first thing is to, to define what your all is. Mm. And I know when... Uh, Rhonda and I made a decision because we brought our, our kids up. Uh, Rhonda and I made a decision very early on in our relationship that I was so committed to my career and my causes and, and you know, doing what I wanted to do. Um, and she said, right, I, whilst she was working, she said, I'm going to take the role of caregiver, running the house, you know, being the enable, enabler. Yeah. And, you know, I, I say to women, and, you know, and I think you know, being in a same-sex relationship is a different dynamic, but I, I say to women, the very first thing you should do um, if you want to have it all is define your all and then say, and what do I need to have happen and stop happening to make that um, make that occur? And, and the conversation with your partner, your life partner... Is a big deal. ...is incredibly important. If you're both aligned and and share the same values um and you're very committed to what you agree your all is you know what the world's your oyster Mm. i wonder though if if you've got a partner who's willing to come to the party absolutely prue goward um many years ago i saw prue goward speak when she was in the same role as kate jenkins is now it was called something different equal opportunity commissioner i think it was at the time Mm. and prue was uh she said right and, of course, she was talking to a room full of women. And she said, okay, women, I've got two pieces of advice for you. The first piece is childbirth is gendered. Child rearing is not. Be very clear about the difference between the two. Anyone can re- rear a child. Mm. Only you can give birth. But that that is a point in time. So when it comes to child rearing, be really clear about roles and responsibilities mm. and who's doing what and how and all that kind of stuff. So that was advice, piece of advice Fabulous number piece one. Of advice. It certainly was. And she said, an advice number two, a piece of advice number two is choose your partner well. Yes. 
and you know, not all of us. I mean, not I, all I, of us have done that. I was Michelle. going to say I've had a had a couple of goes, but um, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> um, and I, I think it's reasonable. And I think, gee whiz, we 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 don't have. Sometimes we may not have those critical conversations with with the person we share our life with. Say, here are my goals, my dreams, my hopes and aspirations. What are your goals, your dreams, your hopes and aspirations, and how do we achieve them together? Because there is give and take. You know, there, there's. I, I look at my life and I think there are times when work was all-encompassing and it needed to be because I was provider, I was mum, I was provider, I was mortgage payer, I was, you know, everything. Mm. Um, it's hard yeah but not insurmountable i didn't die i'm no, still, here, still here you know um and there are times when life has to take priority you know, kids you know kids have accidents um kids need help and interestingly yeah. enough people assume it's just little kids that that require all of the hands-on and they, they certainly do but I, I know that when my kids were mid to late teenagers they needed us more, more than, um, more than. I'm feeling that at the, the moment. The younger they we, do, they um, do need you, and and they need you in very different ways. Mm. So, you know, it's so important when you're, you know. So again, I would just say, what what does having it all mean? And mm. you define know it. Sometimes you got to sit drop, down with your partner. Yeah, drop some stuff. Learn to say no. Put boundaries in place. Mm. Uh, the best thing I learned was the ability to say no and, and decline politely. Because mm. uh, when you try and be everything to everyone, you're doing a whole lot of things kind of half good. Yeah. Um, I'd rather do And not three. very satisfying. Well, no. And, and you know, I, I had to have a, a bit of a mindset shift on that and mm. learn to start saying no to say, look, I just don't have capacity anymore. Um, but here's someone who might. Yeah. Um, and this is the reason why I'd rather do three things absolutely stupendously well than nine things kind of half-assed. Oh, I like that. So segueing straight from that then, mm. Michelle, into mm. the next question. I, I'm not sure about all of the businesses. There's advancing women, you know, mm -hmm. there's women who get it. There mm -hmm. are multiple threads, let's mm -hmm. be honest. I don't know how you do it all, but what is Sticky Beak? And well, what are they all? Pray tell what is a professional Sticky Beak? Uh, well, a professional Sticky Beak is me. <laughs> Okay. So, um, so advancing women in business as sport is is my business. My yeah. other business is women who get it. Yeah, um, and and they are both, as they say, advancing women is is advancing women. Yeah. So I work I work with organisations, particularly sporting and and medium sized organisations, to get their equality plan, their gender equality plan running. So not theory, not research. Mm. Um, and then I work. Action. Yeah. And then I work, as you know, I work with women uh, around with my six module program to to give them the tools to navigate the system. Mm. So one side of me is fixing the system. The other side is giving women the tools Support. to navigate the system. Um, I, as part of all that, I like to provide women a platform, just like you, you're doing here, mm. a platform to promote themselves. Mm. I like to curate information and I like to connect women with each other and connect them with good information. So the ways that I do that, um, I have the Sticky Beak series, which is my little newsletter that goes out every two or three weeks or so. I usually profile a woman to watch in it. 
put a whole heap of um, good events for women that I've, I've found around, you know, you know that, that are going on around the place. Mm. Good articles, well, what articles that I think are good. Mm. Um, and that it's called the Sticky Beak series because I am a sticky beak. I'm a nosy parker. I'm curious. Um, well, you're sifting it for all the women out there, which yeah. is fabulous. Yeah. Who may be short of time too. So it's a great resource. Yeah. Well, I've always found, I found women's agenda a few years ago, I found them to be great for getting really good cutting-edge political and, and, and feminist theory kind of um, articles. And I thought, well, there's also the next layer down. So I, I started doing it at the beginning of this year. Mm. Uh, so that's the Sticky Beak series, and it's just part of part of what I do through Advancing Women. Um, and else? Women Who Get It? Women Who Get It is, is my accidental business. Okay. Uh, you know what they say about accidental businesses. They can become your big business. Well, interestingly enough, it's um, uh, 12 or 18 months ago I started a f- – no, let me tell the truth. Okay. 18 yeah. months ago I may have been having a lovely lunch. Okay. There may have been a bottle of wine. <laughs> and I may have been having a bit of a groan and a moan um, about – the sorts of networking events and the sorts of Facebook groups that, that were seemed to be proliferating at the time for right. women. And, and my darling friend, Kelly, who's actually my sister's best friend, but I've stolen her, um, Kelly said, well, what are you going to do about it? You need to do something. And I went, you know what, Kel, I just want to hang around with women who get it. And I went, ooh, that's oh, a good name. That. What can I do with that? <clears throat> so, of course, I raced straight home and started a Facebook group thinking, right, I'll get all my friends We'll all join this Facebook group. I'll do a couple of dinners and we'll have drinks and that'll be lovely. Mm. Within a few weeks, there was 500 women uh, in the Facebook group and saying, let's have an event. (coughs) Pardon me. And uh, and I went, yes, let's have an event. And I went, oh, they mean me. Right, okay, I'll organise an event. Uh, Long story short, I thought I'd have 20 or 30 women in a room doing a bit of an entrepreneur's pitch night and I had 65 women in a very large room in a pub and halfway through the night, they're going, right, when's the next one? I went, in two months' time. Fast forward. <laughs> Say yes. Yeah, and I did. Work it out yeah, and I went, yes, of course. It's a great business strategy. Yes, and my partner said, so you're now into events, are you? I said, well, it would appear so. Yeah. Uh, so fast forward 18 months, and there's nearly 2,500 people in the Facebook, or women in the Facebook group. I've run, how many? I've run five events, six events, five events, crumbs. Five events in Melbourne. There have been three in Sydney. We're not going to hold you to it. It's okay if you get it wrong. Yeah, I know. I've got to go this. this. It is. I've got to get it right. Yes, I've, I've got, got to get, get the numbers right. right. Anyway, a number of events have been run. So we, we've had more than probably nearly a 1,000 women come to, to one of the events. And they've been That is fun. so brilliant. Yeah. And the next one's, uh, well, I did a planning session last week. So the next next event, because I paused for a little while mm. after the last event, because I thought, where am I going with this? Where am I taking women who get it? Um, because the values that I, I revisited towards the end of last year, when I realised I was onto something big, mm. was that I knew that the reason it was growing and being successful was I was meeting some unmet needs. So women knew were coming to the events, joining the Facebook group because of a whole range of things. Uh, and there are many and varied the reasons, but ultimately it's safe. So safe is my number one value. Mm. At the online space, the event space is always safe, psychologically safe, physically safe. Uh, so you can be your true self, your whole self, um, and you will be looked after and cared for in some way, shape or form in that environment. 
And then the other three is I thought I, I want women to learn, so have really a good learning experience without being preached at. Yeah. So using my skills of curating and connecting, curate and connect with interesting people and information and research and so on and so forth. Um, connect is the next one. How do I create connections? Again, you know, playing to my own strengths, I, I am really good at thinking, ooh, I know Lizzie and Lizzie needs to know so-and-so mm-hmm. and so-and-so. And they would make a great – they would be able to collaborate. So yeah. the connection piece had to be a, a real guiding light. And then and then the third value, which, which pl- plays into advancing women, is advance. How can you advance in some way? Maybe you'll advance your career, your business. Maybe you'll advance a friendship. Maybe maybe you'll just advance your knowledge about a particular thing. You'll advance your confidence, mm. whatever it may be. So they're the driving or the guiding principles uh, for women who get it. And um, I love it. And I think they also another driver would be that everyone's – Having fun, absolutely. Mm. So, so that's another value. Like, and then, have fun. Yeah, have fun. No bulldust. No mean girls. Because um, I, I want women to support women and women to be nice. And I always look back to my mum. If you haven't got something nice to say, don't say anything at all. So, there you go. I'm Lizzie Medham, and you're listening to Michelle Redfern on People My Dog Would Like, where she is talking about game-changing movements, her own she's creating to drive gender equity in Australia. So, listen, what keeps you up at night? I'm interested to know. You seem to be so sure of yourself. But we all have issues that keep us on our toes uh, that also concern us. I'd be interested to know what they might be for you. At a macro level, I... Uh, what keeps me awake is is outrage. <laughs> I'm, I, I thought I'd be less fire in your belly. Yep, absolutely. I thought I'd be less outrage, less less feisty, uh, less fierce by now because I thought we'd be as a woman I'd be equal. Yeah. Um, so that that does it. it out, outrage keeps me awake at night. I, mm. And you know disbelief I, too. Absolutely. I just I don't get it. And we're at a at a global level. I think. That outrage, I am a middle-aged Anglo-Celtic woman in a Western society who's financially secure. So my outrage is is, is very privileged. Yes. Um, High-class problem. Absolutely. <clears throat> but what I get outraged about is, is our, our women, including our Indigenous women in Australia who lack access to, to education, they lack access to support, they still... Amenity. In, they amenity. don't have anything mm. you know, in some areas. Our, our life, the life expectancy for a, 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 an Indigenous woman, um, educational attainment rates, uh, the, the rates of, of, uh, of violence against women mm. for Indigenous women and other Indigenous women around the world um, and women in third world countries is ex- extraordinarily bad and it is a it is an epidemic and it's not on mm. so that keeps me awake on a very micro level what keeps me awake is I'm running a business I'm running two businesses so mm. I've got the same the same stuff business that, headaches that everyone else totally has. how mm. do I grow my business how do I um, generate revenue how do I make continue to make myself um, a sustainable and enduring business how do I actually penetrate the areas that I need to penetrate to make a difference. So, mm. yeah, these, they're the things that keep me awake at night. And the football. Pretty big things. Yeah, yeah. And, and I worry Fairly about Fairly standard. Yeah, the football. You know, are the West Coast Eagles actually going to win a premiership this year? Oh, God. <laughs> what do you like? 
I'm bad. I'm not even a big footy fan. I mean, I love I the Bulldogs. Know, I know. I try. I well, do try, but I'm a bit more of a round round ball girl. Well, this weekend sure. I'm going to have a double header because I've got will the West Coast Eagles win and will Williamstown, my, my VFL club, win. <laughs> it's, you know, this is a big weekend. I'll be for vying football. for you, babe. Good on you. Thank you. <laughs> so, listen, do you ever feel like throwing in the towel when yep. it comes to driving the gender equity issue in Australia? I am a very... I mean, look at the handling of the current blade. Gay plebiscite on yep. gay marriage. It's just I just I couldn't even say the sentence. I'm just so mm-hmm. I'm so angry. That makes me very angry. I um I absolutely I am a completely ordinary person. I have days when I think I'm going to stay in bed and pull the doona over my head because I've had enough. Mm. I this is this is tough. You know, every day I have to have conversations about advancing women, about equality. And the fact that I'm a woman who's also over 50, who's also in a same-sex marriage, you mm. know, the intersectionality, the, the bias and the discrimination um, at an intersectional level is, is extraordinary. Um, and I don't want to over, you know, over-intellectualise this, but the bottom line is I'm a triple threat. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. And have, triply disappointed. Absolutely. Um, and I, as I said, I, I'm outraged that at, in 2017 I am still considered lesser than. But you know what? I've got a daughter. I've mm. got nieces. I've got a daughter who's 23, a niece who's 25. Sorry, Kara, I think you're 25. Um, mm. Another niece who's 18 and another niece who's 11 or 12. Sorry, I'm very bad. There's too many of you. Anyway, <laughs> um, here's my numbers. Um, and I think what are the what what legacy am I leaving for those women? Mm. Are they going to have another generation of encountering you are less than? And that's so it's pretty frightening, isn't it? It is, absolutely is. <coughs> so, Sorry, listeners, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat. I um yeah, I do have days where I think, man, this is hard, but yeah. then you go If right I on. don't do it. Oh, it's absolutely. Who's going to do it? Absolutely. And it is every single person can do something every day to Mm. include someone else. That's a great message. Um, And, you know, thinking about just be a decent human can can play out in so many different small but impactful ways. Mm. So what would you like to see in leadership today and what have you got to say about leadership in Australia at the moment? I'd like, She's bowing her head, yeah. listeners, bowing her head. I would like to see far more courage. Mm. Being a leader is that person out the front, mm. and being out the front means you... Copping it. You do cop it, and being out the front and making a, setting a vision, a strategy, blah, 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 blah. Bottom line is, as a leader, you need to have the courage of your convictions. As a leader, you know that you're not going to please all of the people all the time when you're doing the right thing. Mm. Um, I... I see a distinct lack of courage uh, in leadership. In leadership, yeah. I see a, I see a lack of courage in leadership at a political level. I see a lack of courage in leadership in at a corporate level. And naturally, I bring a I bring a diversity and inclusion lens to to, to that view. But I, I see the lack of leadership, uh, the lack of courage in leadership playing out this way. You know, if Australia was a an equal and inclusive country that considered people from all genders, from all walks of life um, and all sexual orientation as equal, do you know what? There's an economic 
um, argument, prosperity argument Very strong there. stats indicate Absolutely. that we'd be far better off with Absolutely. it. If females were, were considered uh, equal to, mm. included and advanced, there, there's some simple mathematics around this. You don't need to be um, someone who's expert at economic modelling to do this. If a woman Yeah, you don't need to be more, Dr Richard Dennis. She's, uh, yeah, if a woman participates in the workforce at greater level, she earns more. If she earns more, she spends more. Where does she spend money? In Australia. Mm. Uh, so what happens? There, We suddenly have GDP lifting. Mm. Now, when GDP lifts or when consumption lifts, GDP lifts, and when GDP lifts, we are all better off. Yes. So it's not rocket science, No, it? bloody well isn't. Mm. <laughs> so I... I at a less, not at a macroeconomic level, at a company level, how many of your listeners could genuinely say that their board and their executive team, their decision makers in their organisation, represent the customers and the community that they serve and that they want to prosper with? Mm. And, and that's what I ask. So if there's a bunch of Anglo-Celtic 55-year-old men on your board and your executive and you're a... Which is very common. Yep. And you're a fast food company. Who are your consumers? Mm. And how are you developing products mm. and services? Uh, if you're... Oh, okay. So let, if, if, <laughs> if you're in the beauty industry, which bizarrely, and I know this now because of my friend Anna Ross from Kester Black, okay. bizarrely, the beauty industry globally is dominated by men. Bizarre. So how are how are how are products and services being being developed for the, the customer, consumers and yeah. the customers? It's it's quite extraordinary. It's a big gap, and this is why I'm so so. Alana and Jade from Fem Economy are they are doing some great work around saying uh, looking at the Australian marketplace at brands at companies and saying here are the gender equal companies women. This is a movement. If you, yeah, let's buy from them. Yeah, let's use our, our feet and our wallets mm. to vote for gender equal companies. So I use Fem Economy now to make all my buying decisions. Oh, that's interesting. So what, femeconomy.com.au? It is, yes. And they have a, a master list, a, a marketplace essentially, mm. um, of Fem Economy approved brands. Brilliant. So when you want to do it, I mean, I'm on there. So my business is on there as a, mm. as a naturally as a... Um, uh, an approved brand for consulting services. An example I would give you: I, I spoke to um, the uh, Alana and Jade earlier this year, and they said, "So, where do you where do you do your department store shopping?" And I said, oh, "Maya," and they said, "Well, perhaps you want to think about David Jones because David Jones is gender um, gender equal from an executive leadership team, and they have at least thirty percent of women on their boards. Maya do not. Oh, so it's right." So I made one of my great proclamations here at home. We're no longer shopping at Maya. We're going to David Jones. Interestingly enough. DJs sell better perfume anyway. Well, interestingly enough, the Jade and Letter informed me later in the year mm. that Maya had deliberately and purposefully changed their their leadership structure. They were now a Fem Economy approved brand. I went, right, so now I can oh, go back there. You there. Go. So anyway. they listened. Well, Do you think they listen? I absolutely think that. I mean, Fem Economy is having enormous impact mm. and uh, and and reach. So, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of um, it's Katrina who's done marketing to mums. Oh yeah, Katrina Mercado. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, brilliant. 
Brilliant girl. Yeah, don't don't and market to us like that. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, market to the mums. Yeah. We have serious power. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't ever forget it. So women who think, oh, I can't do anything. I you know, I'm not like Lizzie, I'm not like Michelle, I'm not like Jane Caro. You are. You can make I it. I totally disagree and, with that. Yeah. Oh, so do I. So do I. But but it's about building confidence, isn't yeah. it? But we also give people practical tools to say, mm. here's how you can make a difference. Yeah. And buy, start talking about it as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Buy ethically. Yeah. And buying ethically means buying from gender equal companies or those that have got a demonstrated commitment to it. Love that message. So, listen, what advice would you give your 20 year old self, do you think? Don't be so scared. Don't worry so much about what other people think. Stop seeking approval and just get on with it. Um, I, I look at my daughter and what one of the things I admired, despite the fact that we used to butt heads so much. but Oh, not as a teenager. Oh, Surely not, Michelle. Yes. But later, actually. But I, I used to look at, um, <coughs> at Kelsey and think, wow. She is so brave. She is so much more courageous than I was at the same age. Mm. I wished I'd had more courage. I wish I'd had the courage of my convictions um, more at that stage. I was very much a, a pack animal and seeking the approval of my peers and mm. and everyone around me. So I would say be, be braver, be more courageous, be prepared to take the path less trodden. Take more risks. Yeah. Yeah, and not not buy into the societal expectations of you, Michelle. Yeah, that 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 would be the main advice. Um, I would also I, I did a lot of growing up in my twenties. A huge, huge. I was very different by the time I turned thirty. Put it that way. Mm. I, I'd had two kids. Um, I was married. I'd, I'd experienced a lot of things, but and I was really, really ambitious. Really ambitious for a lot of things. Mm. Um, really ambitious for there must be more to life than this. Mm. There is more. There is more I can do. There is more. There is more. That was my thing. There's, there's more. Um, so I, I'd want to listen to, I, I'd ask myself to be more courageous, take the path less, less travelled. Yeah, less, less travelled and figure out what was really important. What mm. was really important to me? What were my, what are my values and, and that kind of stuff? So... It almost feels like that would be the same message you would send to 20-year-old women or absolutely generally. I yeah. think that applies equally to men as well. It, it does. We I, Take more risks. Yeah, it, well, I, I think I, I've switched around from taking risks to opportunities because risk has a, a bit of a, you know, Fear-driven. gets a bit of a mm. bad rap, yeah. So I, I look and I think what what characterize the things that I did I was opportunistic mm. which meant I was open to opportunities and I am a bit of a oh well let's give it a go uh, when I moved to Melbourne I was I got recruited for a role here in Melbourne <laughs> uh, funnily enough at a, at a conference on a dance floor <laughs> as I like a, your style yep. Michelle and uh, <laughs> the well, moves were obviously pretty they were they, they were, were. Classic. so the big boss was was dancing with me and and he said uh I, I we'd been working together on and off for, for a while and I was making a bit of a name for myself and he just said <laughs> um on the dance floor yeah no well and off the dance floor <laughs> But and he said, "Do you want to come to Melbourne? I really need you to come and do this this big thing for me. You know, run, 
run this program, fix up, because that's generally what I did. Mm. And I went, okay, when do you want me here? And we were actually in Melbourne. I'd come over for a conference because I was still in Perth. And he said, can you be here in two weeks? I went, yeah, okay, no worries. Wow. So I went home to the to the then husband, the children and the family went, okay, so I'm moving to Melbourne. We're all moving to Melbourne. And and I was there in, in, in 10 days. And I just thought, what's the worst that can happen? I will hate it. We will hate it. Uh, we'll move back. Simple as that. Yeah. As it turned out, one of the best moves of my life. I mean, I meant I was apart from my, my family, which and I miss them dreadfully, but was the making of me. And that's kind of, that's a big story. But even little things like... <laughs> Do you want to come and talk at this event? Yeah, why not? Yeah. You know, that that kind of stuff. I think what's what's the worst that can happen for taking a step in a, in the right direction? I'm really grounded in who I am, what I am, mm, what I I'm all about, that. what my values are. And if it feels kind of right and fits into that, give it a go. Um, as I say to people, what's the worst that can happen? The worst thing that could happen to me in those days that was that my children, <coughs> something would happen to my children. Yeah. The second worst thing was that I could die. And I think, okay, let's work back from there in terms of yeah, assessing yeah. risks. So. Yeah, and mitigate yeah. all of that. Mm. Mm. Well, listen, Michelle, what can I say? You make such a valuable and massive contribution to the lives of professional w- women in Melbourne and further afield with your work you are doing in the gender equity space and the sheer development of those professional skills women really need to make their way to the top in their fields. It's been such an honour having you on the show today. I hope more and more women hear your war cry (laughs) and join the movement. It's certainly one worth following. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lizzie. And now I'm going to have to develop a war cry. (laughs) (laughs) Have a fabulous day. Thanks, darling.